Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter is Jeff at DT. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Pete. It was almost panic stations last week. We had multiple stories going, especially on Saturday, about potential outs into that Essendon game, into the Geelong game, and it was just it was more chatter than I've seen uh, since since last year and, and potentially the year before with regards to you know late changes uh, in teams. So that was almost panic stations. I thought. Yeah, look, it was lucky. Uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't lose my or use my last trade to. Saturday morning, so there's a few hairy moments there, but just timely reminder about depth and team depth in all lines, isn't it? Yeah, that's for sure. And just keeping up to date to news for sure, absolutely. Alrighty, so captain selections are critical to maintaining a strong average um, across the season. Your thoughts there? Oh, absolutely, mate. I mean, I think a lot of us were burnt by Captain Mills last weekend, and I was one of them, and I, you know, ifing and ahhing between... Mills and Neil on that 50-50 call gets you again, and every point counts, doesn't it, bud? It, it really is um, becoming an issue for my team, uh, and I've got to nail it and do probably a little bit more research than what I'm doing on the captains. Yeah, so interesting you say that. So um, well, we do track the captain scores, and so um, I've gone through the team rank number one and look at who they've captained and vice-captained and looped those scores in over the first eight rounds of the season. I've also gone into your team to have a look at your average and who you've captained and the scores there, and I've also gone into my team. So which do you want first? Do you want your stuff or do you want the rank number one? No, I'll go rank one. Okay, so they're averaging 137.1 points, Jepper. <laughs> 137.1. So let me tell you these scores that have come in. So it's McRae, 120. Brayshaw, 181. Cripps, 138. Dunkley, 129. Brayshaw, 123. Gorn, 119. Gorn, 149. Brayshaw, 138. So that's just, you know, if, wow. you, if you're leaning into that Gorn and Brayshaw combo, that's pretty much where you should, if you've got both of those, you should be just leaning into those. Obviously, Gorn's got an injury concern this week, and we'll talk about him later. But up to and including round eight, it should have been just Gorn, Brayshaw alternating, and obviously Cripps is in there as well, smashing out scores. So it's pretty much just those three I would be leaning to on a week-by-week basis. 137.1 points is huge. Yeah, look, uh, it's it's a timely reminder, mate, again, that we've got to make these calls and get them right. Like, that's... I would think my team and his team would be pretty similar, and that would be the only – well, one of very few variances between our sides. So, yeah, nailing captains, incredibly, incredibly important. Okay, so that's the rank number one. So your choice now is to have my average or your average. Which one do you want next? Uh, we'll go me. 113.9 points. So you're losing 24 points a week so far over the season. Yeah. And, and that's obviously, that's a bit of a killer for you right now. So 113.9 points. Right, so I'm just above you at 115.9 points. So I'm not doing that much better than what you are. And I've, I've had one score under 100 points. Um, and I'm just unable to hit the um, ceiling game. So obviously, from where I stand, I just took a stand on West Australian players and, and not having uh, Andrew Brayshaw has absolutely destroyed my season to kick things off. But, you know, if I had Brayshaw, I'd be leaning into him to uh, set as VC or captain pretty much every week. Even in like, difficult matchups last week, well, it wasn't really a matchup. Uh, difficult matchup last week against the Kangaroos. You know, potential tag was there, but you know, in any type of blowout, he's he could just junk it up for you know 50, 60 points in a quarter. So uh, that's where you sort of take in and lean into the Brayshaw factor. But I didn't start with him, so that's where my issue is. So uh, just one score below uh, 100, which is actually okay. So um, I'm not too disappointed by that. But obviously, compared to rank number one, which you know, if you rank number one, you're going to be scoring uh, quite okay across most most areas of what we're analysing. So for, and I looked at your team, and you've had three scores under 100 points, Jeff. So yeah. that's actually been really critical. So you know, we can't have emphasize um, enough to say look at your matchups and and midfield matchups are critical and you know how a game's going to play out and you know look at the look look at potentially what sort of game result you're going to get into and, and what could happen in a blowout you know a tight contested game i mean it's not just a tag it's just a, a tight contested game and, and wet conditions um 
you know, the ones that I look at, especially the Bulldogs under the roof at Marvel Stadium, you know, and, and other things um, that can be a disadvantage or an advantage, you really got to look, in, look into there as well. So uh, just your thoughts on any one of those, especially your, your stuff there, Jip. Yeah, look, it's 24 points a week for me personally. That's, yeah, several, about three, 280, 300 points. And um, I reckon that would put me in top 10 territory. So, yeah, top, thanks for the reminder, mate. We, we'll highlight it. But, uh, yep, uh, at office, uh, Jeppa here, we'll uh, do some more research and, and try and nail it this week and beyond. Yeah, just for listeners there, Jeppa didn't know I did that research, so we never talked about that pre-podcast, so I'll just surprise him with those numbers, and that's his initial initial reaction straight off the bat. So obviously, um, uh, like, obviously it hurts to, to say that, but it, it's, it's a really big reminder, not only for Jeppa, but for, for you guys out there as well, is to really focus in on that. And, you know, if you've got Gorn... Uh, probably not going, not so much for the for the short term at least anyway. But you know, Brayshaw and Cripps, I'd be just pretty much um, alternating between the both VC captain and obviously when they play and when you can loop in and and all that stuff does play into consideration as well. But uh, yeah, just really important watch. So anyway, so Jep didn't know that was there, so apologies for that for Jep, but it's just a good reminder for for no, not only you, you and I but the listeners as well. Okay, Jep. So identifying. Favourable matchups in the very short to medium term can provide extra value in trade. So, what I'm talking about here is, you know, if you're looking at a potential target uh, to trade in, you know, if a potential um, tiebreaker could be, you know, a potential soft matchup and a pretty big score on their first tra- um, first game for your for your team there. So that's one thing that I really look at as well uh, to potentially get a above average score. And not only that, if if you're targeting a unique and they go for a pretty big score, you'll you know you could be one sort of trade ahead of everyone because then they will start to look at that uh, trade as a trade target there as well. So uh, just your thoughts there. Yeah, it probably happened with me with Mills a, a few weeks back, and um, definitely look I I look at a month ahead when I'm picking my primo. Um, Bailey Smith was a couple of weeks back, and, and it was because of his high ceiling. But and his Friday night games and and the earlier round fixtures that was appealing to me. So having a VC option or another VC option with a higher ceiling was was also appealing. So yeah, definitely look at the the short term um, matchups and and the soft matchups at that. And yeah, it always propels you up in getting your player that's bottomed out or your prima that's so that's you know you're anticipating that they're bottomed out at that point. Okay, how deep do you want your bench to be leading up? into the buy period yet? Well, look, it's 30... I want 30 green dots. I, I am so nervous about the buy rounds and having... You know, we've seen Rooks throw out a 30 during the season at, at various stages, and um, I don't want that during the buy rounds. So if we can maximise the players on, on the 22 and, and not... Um, you know, relying on 18, 19, it, it's going to propel you up the ranks. So that look, I feel like I'm well placed for the for the buy rounds at the moment. I've got a bit of you know band aid work to do, but um, yeah, it, I feel. I remember from last year and previous years, like the the overall rankings really shift after the buy rounds. So making sure I'm prepared and, and obviously the listeners need to be prepared as best they can also and aim for as many players playing as possible. Yeah, I'm taking a, um, a non-playing player away this week, so I'm trading in. Uh, it will be an active player, so I'm starting to eliminate those leading into the buy period. So it might be just something you want to start to think about with regards to bringing them in. Obviously, the, the bonus trade during that period does help, but you know if you're well-established uh, leading into that period, that can really help there as well. Okay, what is your number one focus for the buy period? For me, Pete, it's trying to maintain the round 13 and round 14 rookie players with the buy. Um, that propels us again, gives us more options of trading during the buy rounds and, and allows us to, to maximise our scores again. So ultimately, also, we're just looking for that balanced team. Um, the round 13 forwards are probably pretty popular, um, round 12 forwards also popular. There's, I feel like my midfield's pretty good and, and well-balanced there. So it's just assessing and, and maintaining what you think how players and rooks where they'll be and how it'll play out. Because, you know, effectively it's in 
three, four weeks' time that we start, and it's, it's a while away. So a lot can happen in that time. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so what I'm looking at there as well, on top of what you've said, is um, uh, matchups actually specifically in the buy period. So this is where I start to look at um, some high break evens uh, and players, you know, a premium type player that puts in a low score. Like, for example, like I know you've got Callum Mills there, but, you know, Mills, Mills throws in a, a low score last week. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, his, his break-even might start to get uh, a lot higher. And, you know, if he throws in another low score this week, you know, once we get to that buy period, he's a, he's a pretty big target. Then it's looking at the matchup over that, you know, potentially if he's one of those games to come in uh, for me for a target post-buy, that, you know, if he's got a great matchup, that's one particular player that I'm matching. So I'm starting to line up uh, high break-evens. Um, and obviously targets um, just after the buy to bring in there as well. So just trying to line those ones to get a good, uh, pretty much hit straight in after their buy game, uh, after their buy week. Alrighty, so we are talking AFL Fantasy Season Long Classic Mode. This discussion is pre-round nine. This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, May 10. And of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand, and that was really evident last week. We almost played almost into uh, late changes going into that Saturday, those Saturday games. All right, Jeff. So round eight, top 25 ownership, 20% or higher. Um, but the ruck will just go a little bit below 20%. So we've got three rucks there owned in the top 25. So... Braden Proust, 100%, gone at 96%, but the, we had a team lodged into that uh, top 25 that had Sam Hayes and not Max Gorn. So quite interesting where their team was at. So it's interesting, but, yeah, Braden Proust pretty solid there at 100%. Thoughts on any one of those? Oh, look, uh, yeah, the Gorn Proust is still maintaining its its high average, isn't it? So let's see what happens with Gorn this week. Yeah, so what we have is most have Sam Hayes as a bench. So uh, Gorn hurts his knee last week there as well in the Sunday game. So that news took a while to break on the Monday. Um, I sort of knew something was floating about on Sunday, late Sunday, and digging around, and I thought something was going to come out, and it did. So... What happens there is that, you know, people start to get the panic mode. But once you look at Sam Hayes as your backup, I don't think that's actually such a bad thing because even, you know, Gorn has now been made available to play this week. So, but, you know, they do play West Coast and it's in Perth. So that's almost another factor is that, you know, Melbourne are almost an automatic to win the game, you would think. So, do, you know, does Melbourne do take the opportunity to rest Gorn? So my other thoughts on that is that, you know, Goodwin and uh, Melbourne over the last period when they've been successful is that they haven't taken that option. They're all in every week. They want to win every week. They don't want to set the standard of resting players. Uh, Goodwin has said that previously. So that adds a bit of strength that Gorn will play if he's available. So if there's no issue there, I expect him to play. But it's still, you know, that little bit of a percentage that, you know, he could miss there. So... Factor that in. Now, if he were to miss, my question to you is, I don't think that's a big issue because most people would just roll with Sam Hayes anyway. So I don't think it's that much of a big deal if he does miss the one week. Again, I'm I'm highly expecting him to play now that he's been made available. Uh, But I think most will go to the Sam Hayes backup unless you want to make a move and uh, jump to uh, a Darcy who is uh, quite value at his price there, I would think. You know, and potentially English is coming back there as well. So thoughts on any one of those, Chip? The player I'm looking at, he's um, Tim English, potentially. A bit early. Um, but, I look, I don't like bringing in players after a, a longish layoff with injuries. So, yeah, we'll see how the week plays out. But at least Tim English is looking likely for Friday night, and that's an option. Yeah, that's right, and we'll know uh, that team there on Thursday night, So, uh, and we'll get a bit of a look at what his thought, Bevo's thoughts are with you know Stephen Martin in that team as well. But just keep on the radar there. The Dogs do have a few players coming back into that team. So whether that forces Martin out of the team, we're not sure. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, English's numbers pre-injury um, uh, were a- excellent, uh, but now he's missed three games now. Um, yeah, coming back up from an injury, we'll see how that goes. But anyway... So I don't think... Do you think it's actually an issue, you know, if, if Gorn does miss, would you be comfortable starting Hayes? 
I'd, I'd loop it because Port, from memory, have an earlier game um, and just see how it plays out from that. So they play 12-10, or my time, 12-10, 2-10 uh, Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. So there's, you know, six games after that to to have um, a muck around with. It's just not Collingwood or the Bulldogs. So um, Tim English will be out Um and then, yeah, the decision gets made, you know, does Sean Darcy have a play? Is he a bit injury plowing? Do you want to ride it through the buy rounds? It becomes a very interesting tactic. But, um, yeah, obviously having a rotation of Gorn, Proust and Darcy for the next month and buy rounds, obviously it's handy. If we were close to the buy rounds, I'd probably do it. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot of cash to have on your bench at any one point when you're rotating through. So you want to have a look at Hayes first up to see what he scores and yeah. while holding trade, yeah? Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's the best play because if Sam Hayes does... It's at Bloodstone Arena. They're playing North Melbourne. Goldie's seasoned. He knows what he's doing. But I, typically, it's hard to take marks at Bloodstone from memory. A bit swirly um, and windy. So I'm not expecting him to do too great. And... Um, and yeah, I just want that trade back up just to just to have another strategy and another look at it. Yeah, I think I think the majority of highly ranked teams would actually just roll with the Hayes situation. I don't think that you know if it's potentially it's just one. Like if he's available to play this week, Gorn, like even if he does miss again, I highly expect him to play. You know, I wouldn't expect it to be more than one week. So um, I think I think. That's probably not worth blowing a trade on. But anyway, my thoughts only. Alrighty, onto the defenders. So we've got James Sisley, 100. Lockie Whitfield, 100. Um, we've got Jaden Short, 92%. Midfield time again on the weekend. Uh, so you've got uh, Dusty Martin eventually will get some mid- midfield time and Dion Prestia to come back into that team there as well. So that might flick Short back out of that midfield. Now, if he does stay in that midfield, let's f- forecast for next year, Jeb. That sort of might take away his defender status for next year. So that'll be actually a bit of a nightmare. So, you know, if Cochin's, if it's his final year this year, I expect Short to go into that midfield uh, uh, at some stage when Cochin finishes. So what we don't need is him to lose that defender status because I think he will be a big target if he can keep that for next year. Just thoughts on that specifically only. Yeah, it's interesting what Richmond are doing, isn't it? Um, they... They obviously see Short's foot skills as, as value from forward to centre, um, where you know it's traditionally been behind behind the ball. So, look at what I viewed at first hand um, live against West Coast, watching him tear it up, and um, definitely see the value in that. If yeah, if he does lose his defender status, yeah, it's it's quite a loss. Already on to uh, Jack Crisp, so 88%. Nathan O'Driscoll, 88%. You've got to be thinking, you know, many would be starting to look to trade him out. Uh, Nick Dacos, the same scenario there as well. Potentially the, the people might start to trade him out as well. So 76%. Jordan Dawson wants to score last week, and it was um, Brody Smith out of the team. He did play a little bit wing there as well, but he was that, you know, that sort of loose marking top defender, wing top player for the Crows last week. Again, no Brody Smith last week. So he's at. Um, 36% only, he might even be a target this week. And, and you know, that George Hewitt situation like from last week, so he's missed two games now. Um, he, uh, Sam Doherty's at 24%. So a lot of people did switch over to that Sam Doherty uh, scenario there as well. So, But just on George Hewitt, you know, uh, Michael Voss did say last week, I think it was Voss or someone from Carlton that did say that leading into this week that uh, he had to train twice this week uh, to expect to play because now he's missed a couple of weeks worth of training. Uh, you would expect that, you know, he's going to lose a little bit of conditioning. So the thought be- process behind that is that, you know, if, if they're saying that he needs two, two training sessions uh, to play this week, you know, he was at training today and he still had that calf sleeve on. So I've got to imagine if that's still on, that's still a big potential issue for him not to play this week so you really got to factor that into trade scenarios for those that hold Hewitt so um, those defenders there again so Sam Doherty at 24% just to finish off there so thoughts on any one of those defenders and obviously the George Hewitt situation Jet. So yeah the, the options are to get rid of the Rooks being Dacos and O'Driscoll and, and that can definitely move the pack a lot and it's interesting how that's going to play out because that's an option for many uh, the Hewitt thing, look, I, I kept Hewitt, not so much more than I couldn't really do a lot that I liked 
by trading him. So I decided to keep him in the end and hopefully he gets up this week. Okay, on to the mid. So Lockie Neal, 100%. Jack McRae, 80%. Andrew Bradshaw, 80%. Callum Mills, 68%. Patrick Cripp, 68%, which was a big uptick from last week. Uh, Clayton Oliver, 56%. Tuke Miller, 56%. Uh, people still rolling around with Robbie McComb, so 32%. So he's at 40%, sorry. And Jason Horn francis so he, you think he'd be the next to go in that top 25 that's still owning, so 32% there. Jack Steele there, 24%. Bailey Smith, 24%. Jack Carroll. So, you know, it's a mix of McComb, Horn Francis, Jack Carroll. So he's at 24%. And Josh Kelly there at 20%. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Yeah, it's a good range, isn't it, on those on those mids? So it's, it's splitting up now. Yeah, it's, it's again, we're going to get more diversity as we go ahead. And through the buy rounds, I heard, I, you know, I heard Steele, Carroll, Cripps, some round 12 players in that, and that's going to be a factor as well. So, yeah, good to know, really good to know of that spread. Yeah, my thoughts there when you're just saying that is just to really look at the focusing on these next four weeks. What sort of matchups can you get? What sort of mids can you get that can pop off, you know, to 130, 140, or maybe even more? So yeah. uh, I'd be really targeting against West Coast and North Melbourne, especially upcoming, because you never know what you're going to get. If you can pop in a 150, 140, uh, that can really set your team apart. Already onto the forwards there. So Josh Dunkley, 100%. Will Brody there, 100%. Nick Martin, outstanding season first half, 100. So he's not even, I'm not even thinking about trading him out at this stage. So 100%. So Zach Butters there, struggling. So the thing with Butters, uh, the midfield centre bounces have been there, a little slightly down where I thought they were going to be last week. But tough matchup against the Bulldogs. But don't forget uh, that he's had the flu the last couple of weeks. So he he uh, did speak on radio earlier this week. He said he's feeling a lot better now, but he's just coming out of the effects of flu. So that potentially took a lot out of him. But he is spending a lot of time forward. So really got to take that into consideration with Butters because he's wholly owned. So if you want to move on for him, you know, if you want to, you know, if Greg Clark comes back this week and if you want to make a move, he potentially could be that one. So he's 88%. Stephen Keneally is a massive problem now. But he's 88% owned. It's like almost all of us have got uh, Canelio there. So it's really interesting, uh, you know, that he's been shifted way out of centre bounces out of midfield. But, you know, uh, that could revert back to anything because we've seen Whitfield go into those centre bounces. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with GWS because if that situation falls with regard to their uh, Leon Cameron, you know, that could be just anything. So, um, yeah, just hold on to your hats there. But Canelio has a real problem. But highly owned. Everyone's got him. I don't think it's that much of an issue unless that ownership starts to drop. So then... Others, others who are trading out are looking for that point of difference, so uh, that's one to watch there. Isaac Haney, 36%. Connor Rosier, 36%. High centre bounce usage. Now these matchups are starting to get a little bit favourable from Port Adelaide's point of view. You, you know, potentially he's going to hit some ceiling games there. And Luke Park are really interesting last week. Centre bounces weren't, weren't too bad. They're actually pretty good. But a couple of things here. There. He scored like a 60 or 65 in the first half. Uh, I thought he was just going to bang out a 120, 130, whatever. But in the press conference, John Longmire said that he rolled his ankle during a game. So he did spend a lot of time forward in that game for Sydney. So it was centre bounce and pretty much go forward. So he might have been struggling big time with that ankle. There's nothing to suggest that he's going to miss this week. But just keep that in mind with regards to Parker because, you know, he scored something like 20 points in the second half. So that's how much he did impact him. So also spending time forward, you know, that, that game was quite strange from Gold Coast's point of view and Sydney because... You know, the Gold Coast were really um, on fire then, and Sydney didn't get that many quality looks in the forward line. So that's a potential issue for Parker if he's going to sit forward. If the opposition is strong and he's not getting many good looks through that forward line, you know, the scores could start to struggle. But it's certainly one to keep in mind if anything pops up late in the week with regards to that ankle. Um, nothing to suggest that he's missing this week. And he did finish the game there as well. So, uh, But just, yeah, 20 points or so in the second half there. So thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Yeah, I think, again, now we're going to see the diversity. So Lot's going to look at Cornelio and offloading him. Butters, they've both got the round to a buy. Yeah, Parker comes into the equation now after his last couple of weeks. It's it's good. It's really good for um, for picking and choosing and gaining overall rank. So those, you know, that are ranked 5,000 or 7,500 thereabouts, there's still plenty of movement that can be made by um, by making the right moves in the right weeks. Okay, who are your top three targets for round nine, assuming you don't own any? 
so for me, yeah, Tim English. I really, you know, to cover the Max Gorn potential loss. So he's number one on my target. Uh, Darcy Cameron, just what a game last week from him. I, I expected him to uh, get bashed around by the two Richmond rucks and um, he proved me wrong. He, um, he did really well. So he's still viable um, at, at, you know, 520-odd grand. And then Mitch Duncan um, did what he pleased, the Mitch Duncan that we know and the fantasy game that we love. So played behind the ball and, and got plenty of it. So he's really – like, if he can maintain that role, obviously he screens value. Yeah, for me, it's uh, Zach Merritt. A um, bit of a difference there, uh, looking at uh, what his uh, window or ceiling could be uh, for the remainder of the year. And I think he's uh, very low owned, so there's, there's a bit of a difference there as well. Tim English as well. So, you know, if that situation does fall out um, with regards to uh, Gorn or, or whatever for me, and, you know, don't forget, you know, you can slot him into that forward line. So he's an option there, but you're going to have to pay up for him at, at top dollar. But certainly I'd still want to uh, figure out what's happening with that ruck situation. I think it'll be okay fitness-wise, but, yeah, just something to keep an eye in there with English. And a bit of a difference here, um, and the players uh, was injured late in the preseason there, Sam Walsh. So uh, obviously Carlton's strong midfield numbers there with Crips, etc., etc. And I think, you know, I'm not just thinking what Walsh has done this year. I'm just thinking what could be for the remainder of the year. So I think he could put up strong numbers. So there might be a bit of a, dif- a difference there that I can look at as well for the remainder of the season but you know he's at um 867k it's still a big spin there for sam walsh already notable low break evens so let's get into these jet so greg clark minus 31 jack carroll uh, minus 10 aiden big minus four callum jamison there at minus two robbie mccormick minus one tom lynch for richmond so he's at 604k which is big spin but his break even is zero so he's going to make a bit of cash here over the next two to three weeks, obviously you'd be looking at those matchups, and it's a key forward. So, and he's got a really low floor as well. So, you know, that any week on a strong week to look at his matchups, he could be pushing in a thirty or forty. But so you really got to keep in mind, because a lot of people would be looking at that break end with zero and think that they can potentially get a, a bit of a cash bonus over the next two or three weeks, which is absolutely uh, a possibility. But yeah, really got to focus in on those to get a he hit those matches, um, hit those scores to you know potentially pull up you know another 100 150k there as well so a bit of a cash grab there cooper hamilton he's actually been really good to start his career at afl level but scores were down a little bit last week there as well uh, cooper stevens so he was okay last week but the big watch with uh stevens um will be you know if he's named this week because uh Geelong do have a rotation policy, so let's just hope it's not just one one in, one out, which would be quite disappointing. So um, back on to Cooper Hamilton, his break-even is two. Back on the Cooper Stevens, his break-even is six. Sam DeConning is still there at uh, break-even is seven, so 304k for those that don't ha- own DeConning. But you're probably looking at on a best-case scenario at 60 to 65 points, and that's what he scored last week. And Mitch Nevitt for Geelong. So he was the sub last week, came on. He was actually fantastic. He won plenty of ball on that wing for Geelong. He was just, he sat on that wing and he became a target there. And every time, obviously I watch every game, every time I was watching that game, I go, oh, that ball's going out to the wing. Is that Nevitt there again? It was. So he comes on as a sub and he scores, um, I think it was around about 66 points there, thereabouts. So he was really good. Sam Hayes there, backup ruck. So... Um, but he's up there in price now, 341k. But you know, really good cover, and, and Lysette's still out for for a long time. So he's that number one ruck there for Port Adelaide for quite a while. A uh, bit off the radar pick here that I threw in here is Sam Berry. So he's been in that midfield for Adelaide a, a quite a strong rate. Uh, last couple of weeks. So, obviously, Crouch out of that midfield there as well. Um, Sean but back in last week as well. So, um, really got to pay attention to what he's doing. Because he's averaged 92 for the last two weeks. So, he's at 467K. He's got a break-even of 11. So... Uh, but he has shown in the past that his scores can be pretty low. So, But, you know, at some stage, if he's going to be a high ball-winning midfielder, these scores going to break out. And are we seeing that right now? But really taking into consideration what his low scores could be. But, you know, at break-even at just at 11, he's going to make some cash there as well. And obviously Ben Hobbs there as well. So he's at 373k. Um, so... If he's going to play in that midfield, he's still going to make a fair bit of cash. Break-even at just 12. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Yeah, hopefully Greg Clark gets up for this week because from memory he had uh, he was announced quite late in the week, so he might not even get a training in 
before Sunday's game or, or maybe just one run through. So just keep that in mind for for those coaches that um, that have traded him in already or, or own him because, yeah, it's not a guaranteed play um, just for the timing of it. Absolutely. Already, so notable players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a break-even of 130-plus. So just going to run through these quickly, Jet. So Dunkley, 145, Keys 140, Bailey Smith, 139, Zach Merritt, 136, Max Gorton, 136, Tom Mitchell, 135. Just 51 points last week. Uh, obviously issues with him getting enough game time in that middle of the ground, and obviously the scores are being really low now. So at 51 points... That's not something that we expected going into this season. Jack Steele, break even at 134, and Tim Taranto, 131. Yeah, so Keyes still remains high on my radar, um, and he's going to drop a bit. There's there's a lot of good choices there. Um, Tim Taranto, if um, if you can hang around like under 800k after the buys, I think we're all going to jump on. So notable strong scoring at Port with a 115 plus average last three rounds. So I'll just run through these again quickly, Jep, and just pick who you want out of those. So Cripps, Patrick Cripps, 126, Clayton Oliver, 125, Callum Mills, 123. This is average last three games. Uh, Callum, sorry, Callum Mills, 123. Uh, we got uh, Lockie Neal, 117, Laurie Led, 117, low owned, not much ownership at all. Uh, he was sick last week, still pumped out a pretty good score. Darcy Parrish, a big big score last week there as well, 115. Um, I believe he was uh, one of those players to be ill and or just coming off illness, and he pumped out a really big score. Tom Stewart, 115, but obviously a big score in there from a couple of weeks ago. And Jaden Short, so midfielder, halfback, doesn't matter which role, I think he's going to score well. Uh, 115 points. Thoughts on any one of those yet? Yeah, Oliver against West Coast is really appealing this week as a captain as well. Plays on the Sunday too, so... Look, Laird is doing Laird things. He's still on my watch list. They're all they're all great picks. It's um and they're all in great form. Yeah. Paddy Cripps, what a game, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've said it for a while now on this podcast. Like he's just unstoppable. Like there's yeah. no one stopping him. Um, so yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. if there's anyone, let's see what Callum Ward can do. Because I, I, if I. My crystal ball's right. I think Callum Ward will run pretty closely and tightly, tightly with him. So interesting to see how that plays out because Callum Ward is no uh, weakling and um, I think he can match him a little bit in strength even though Cripps is obviously stronger. He's uh, he's just got to negate him. I still think Cripps will get there anyway because uh, what Leon Cameron did last week is that um, Mitch Duncan just went off in that first half. He was a little bit quieter in that set, in that third quarter because um, Leon Cameron at half time obviously recognised how much damage uh, or ball collection uh, Duncan was doing on the outside. He was just running up the wings and just collecting in the half back. It was just it was that fantastic. Anyway, so uh, Leon Cameron did flip in that game. He sent the tag out to the to the wing and half back, and he picked up. Duncan in that third quarter. Now, in the final quarter, that tag dropped off. So, you know, uh, Leon Cameron's just flip-flopping everywhere in that team. And it, we can obviously see that where players are playing uh, over a certain period of time is that they're just flip-flopping everywhere. So it's giving us real no certainty of what is happening. So uh, I'll be interested to see what he does with the Crips this week as well. So um, at some stage, they're going to have to turn their season around GWS. Otherwise, um, things could fall apart really quickly if they not have not already Already, Jep, uh, let's finish off this podcast. So, okay, on to a few plays to, for the listeners to finish off. Thanks for sending those in. Time to play like or dislike. We're going to do a 31-pack to finish off. So let's get into this, Jep. So a couple will stop on for a bit of a chat, um, and then obviously we'll just do, hopefully do most of these at like or dislike to give you some sort of uh, indication of where we think they are. So Dylan Moore, so... Um, no certainty on his role long term. You know, uh, you have to come back in that team. And Sam Mitchell made the move uh, not last week, the week before. You know, that was something that was in game. It wasn't something established um, throughout the week to, you know, he was going to play sort of up the ground further. But what we're seeing now last week is that he's just working up. It's not just one wing that he's working up to, it's both wings. So he's just hard running from that forward line, trying to get him um, mismatch and trying to collect the ball in the way back into the forward line for the Hawks. So, you know, the thing is, he can score. You know, if that role was for me, it was really certainty. He would be a monster smash player, but it's no role certainty for the long term. So that's where I have my concerns. Can he score? Absolutely. Is that role guaranteed that he's going to be up there? I'm not sure, but, you know, if you want to go there, definitely your choice. 
look, I'm going to sit on the fence now. I'd probably say I like it, but, you know, if he's going to sit back in that forward line, it could be a bit of a rough trot. But he can still score and hit the scoreboard anyway. So there's a lot there just to digest. Um, It is risk, but, you know, 51% I like it, Jeff. Yeah, look, I, I'd like it too. It, the the nervousness I get is Sam Mitchell's shown that we don't need to rely on one player or the Hawks don't need to rely on one player. Mm. Tom Mitchell's had a completely different role than he's used to. And although Moore's going well now, like you said, there's no guarantee that that will continue. And I feel like he doesn't mind mixing it up and and giving responsibility to other players when necessary. So... I could have gone to them all last week, and I really considered it. Considered it because of his round 14 buy, and he ticked a lot of boxes. Loves to take a mark. Doesn't you know? Can tackle well, but not a consistent tackler. So ultimately, the decision was made not to go with him because I just didn't trust the way Sandwich would use him in it, yeah, going forward. So just be wary. I still do like the pick just because it's one a point of difference, and two the round 14 buy. Already onto Jordan Dawson. So again, no Brody Smith last week, and you know Crouch out of that midfield for for Adelaide, which is really interesting. That was a really interesting drop from Adelaide last week. You know, does he you know forecast over the preseason that he could spend time in that midfield? And and Adelaide have really struggled through the midfield the last couple of weeks, and obviously as a team um, whole scenario as well. So does that put uh, Dawson in that midfield, which which could be okay as well? Imagine having Dawson Laird and Keys running through that midfield. But anyway, it's a situation which could change in his role. But I think halfback or midfield, it doesn't matter. I think he's a, a pretty strong target. And, you know, I think he could average 100 easily for the rest of the year. So I like the picture. Yeah, I like the picture. I think he's going to be thereabouts in terms of top six, top eight defenders. So you could do a lot worse. Darcy Cameron, massive like this. Obviously, uh, said the last couple of weeks on the podcast. So a number one rucker Collingwood, and that's not going to change. Uh, obviously, uh, the centre bounces strong aren't there, but he's not relying on hitouts to get his score, which is really good. So you can imagine if he, you know, gets 30, 35 hitouts in a game, what that score could be. Um, I think he's getting a stack of disposals, so I think it's actually a really um, strong pick here, even at the price that near has gone up the last couple of weeks. So for me, it's a big like still on Darcy Cameron. Yeah, big like for me as well. He's, you know, we we touched on him before. He's just doing what he what he pleases around the ground, and and whether it's opposition not paying respect to him, he's still getting his hands on the ball, tackling and taking marks. Yeah, Dustin Martin, straight no for me. Let's just have a look for quite a few weeks here. Yeah, agree with that, bud. Uh, Christian Petrarca. Now, if you've got Petrarca sitting in your team, um, for a captain option, if, if your vice captain doesn't turn a uh, post, you know, I would say minimum 125. I would actually probably risk a 125 and head into Petrarca in that late game against West Coast because he could absolutely go nuts. Um, so Petrarca, big like, especially this week. So this is just one of those ones. If he's on your radar to, to bring in, he would be a big target for me this week, especially. So therefore, um, yeah, therefore, I'd almost be looking to captain if you don't hit a pretty good VC option. But Melbourne do have a couple of tough matchups coming up. You know, you've got Fremantle on the radar there as well, and you've got um, Brisbane on the radar there just after the bye as well. So you've got to factor that into your decision as well. Could he pop off a low score, which could actually hurt? But, you know, if you're looking at Petrarca this week, big like, and uh, I still like the picture. I actually dislike the pick. I think um, he's actually a chance to be rested this week. We've had reports of his knee issues and, and a lot of fluid on his knee, and gee whiz, I can relate from that over the years. It's, it wouldn't surprise me if he's rested, and even if he does play, maybe because Melbourne are anticipated to absolutely pants West Coast, that he sits more forward or he gets low time on ground. So just be wary of that. Okay, on to Mitch Duncan. So obviously a lot of outside... Uh, usage there against the Giants. But, you know, the, the way that game played out from GWS, obviously he was tagged in that third quarter for a little bit, uh, which did result in a uh, low output just for that third quarter. Otherwise, he could have, could have actually posted a lot higher. Now, a few things at play here. So the, 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 the way the Giants played, played right into the hands of Duncan last week. It was a perfect game scenario for him. They didn't, they didn't care about him in the first half, and he just sat on that halfback moved up that up that wing into the half back line just got the the outlet from the Geelong D from the um, Giants forward 50 so um, that's where his scores started to accelerate 
So at 729k, there's another thing that plays in the part of Duncan's scenario, whether you want to bring him in or think he's a pretty good target. At 729, I think he's a pretty good value pick. I think he's, I think there's upside from here. But the one thing that really um, plays on mind with Geelong, that Chris Scott hasn't been backwards. Everyone out of Geelong has said they're going to manage players this year, and we have seen that on endless week-in, week-out scenarios. Now, I'll just add one thing in here with that Geelong scenario of managing players. Chris Scott has actually said is that we're going to manage these players, and especially those who have had injury issues in the past. Now, on Mitch Duncan, that is exactly who that play. That's who he's talking about. So, look, based on his price, I like the pick. Based on what his scoring out could be, I like the pick. Based on where you could um, put him in your team, I like the pick. But you don't want to be getting over that buy period and, and relying on him to win, uh, to play a game, and then Chris God says, well, this is your week to have a rest. Well, that would absolutely destroy the, the selection now. So... I'm gonna still like I like everything about it except for that potential rest. So I'm gonna say dislike here, Chip. I'm actually I'm gonna say like. I think um, if the role continues, it's just a bona fide and guaranteed top six forward. Seven hundred twenty-five is just so cheap. It, it's almost hard to ignore. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'll be looking at that uh, Geelong team scenario over the next few weeks to see, you know, because a lot of people will go there, which I, I don't mind, but it, it's just that rest scenario. And I think that I think you'll get rested at some stage. I think. I don't know. But, you know, based on all the language out of Geelong and, and Chris got saying, you know, especially those with the injury history, and that is Duncan this year, especially in the preseason, that puts him right in the zone for being managed. So really... Really interested to see what they do there. So, but yeah, you, know, you factor that into decision making, and if, if you accept the risk, well, then that should be fine there as well. So, Patrick Nash, so the decision is here. Is it, is it time to go? I think it might be also, also, Jep. So, yeah, uh, I like for time to trade for me. Uh, if you can ride him through to the buyers, I, I'd, I'd look at that. But yeah, again, he's not there forever. He's there to be upgraded. It, you know, a Nash to Duncan might be appealing as an option. Okay, next one, Dane Zorko. We know he can score. That's just not even in doubt. Um, uh, do you agree with that? Yeah. So, well, so the concern is his role. So, you know, half pack to start the season. Coleman comes back in the team. He's into the midfield. Great. But does he sit forward at any stage? Now, Dan McStay is injured, right? So there's one forward down. Danaher yep. is injured. So that's another forward down. What we've seen from Brisbane when they played Sydney a couple of weeks ago, is that Cam Rayner was the one to go forward, right? Which is really interesting. Now, Chris Fagan has, did say, uh, might have been in his post-game press or in his um, press conference last week, is that um, you know they wanted Rayner in that midfield to give him exposure there. But for the short term, while they've got four key forward issues, he's going to be the one to go forward. So guess what that does, Jeb? That opens up a, even a bigger midfield opportunity, and that puts Zorko in this range. Now, he can score, and I reckon I'm a little bit confident on his midfield role, just pure midfield role for the next few weeks. He can score. I'm actually I'm concerned because obviously that role could switch around, but based on the injury situation at Brisbane, and Fagan has come out and said it's Rainer that's going forward, it puts more weight into the situation where Zorko is going to play midfield. So I like the pick. Yeah, I like the pick too, and I just I just want to. He's been on my watch list for a while after his Achilles issue, and and when you so rounds two and three, he had seventy one percent time on ground. Round four, sixty five percent time on ground. Round five, seventy four percent time on ground. Then it really ramped up. So against Gold Coast, eighty two percent time on ground. Uh, Sydney Swans in round seven, eighty five percent time on ground, and in a f- absolute shellacking against West Coast last week, where they rested Lockie Neal for the last what six minutes, I think it yeah, was, yeah, maybe yeah. seven. Yeah. Um, Zorko, with an apparent you know Achilles history, was still running around doing his thing, eighty two percent time on ground. So that tells me he's fully over the injury. That tells me that, and but you know that in conjunction with your information regarding Rainer forward and more midfield time, I think it's a big like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think he's a top six defender. I, I, I like, again, he's like a bit like Duncan. They're both on the wrong side of thirty. They're getting a bit older. They're more susceptible to soft tissue. But at the same time, 
they're the hallmark players of their of their teams. They are trusted with the ball in hand. They look they're given the ball at every opportunity to them. It it's just and then one's a forward and one's a defender. So you know, we're looking for those high-ceiling players in the defensive and forward lines. Duncan and Zorko are the two. Yeah, and obviously I come in with the information, and sometimes it's, it's you know, leans into the negative stuff. So obviously um, it's just the information that I'm providing. It's just it's part of the information build for the week and, and potentially the short and long term. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it all marries up here. Is it his scoring, uh, what you said, and what I've, information I've pumped in there, with regards to what Fagan and Brisbane are thinking, so I think I think it's all positive. So uh, I think everything lines up here. So uh, you know, previously I wasn't alike, but you know, based on what Fagan has said, and, and those injuries aren't changing. So Danaher's out for the short to medium term, and uh, McStay's out there as well. So it just lines up at least through the buy period, I would imagine, and he can score. So both like for you and I. So Jason Horn Francis. Uh, so the question is, is is, is he a like to go? For me, it's a like to go. Yeah, to go, to trade, definitely. Uh, Tim English, uh, if, if Martin's out of that team, it's a like. If not, uh, it's no for me. Yeah, I still like it. Uh, it gone dependent, but um, I still really think English is a top six forward now. Yeah, the interesting one there with English is that um, Beveridge has spoken a, a lot, and this is the way it's played out, is that English has spent a lot of time behind the ball. Now, Alex Keith is on the radar. Now, obviously, Keith not a fantasy uh, target, but it does add um, defensive structure to the Bulldogs. So does that change the thinking with regards to English playing? You know, he has to go back to fill in that, you know, the tall defenders and intercepts. So, you know, if Keith is coming back into that team, does that sort of change up the role for English? So just keep that in mind there as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, I like him if it's just him. And, but if Martin's in that team, no, thank you. Already so George Hewitt, Again, information earlier. So, uh, you know, he potentially had to train twice this week. And now with the calf sleeve still on there, you know, I'm leaning to, to thinking that he's not going to get up for this week. But we'll see how that plays out. He's a big watch uh, for the remainder of the week if he can complete that session. Otherwise, if he's not training there this week, I wouldn't expect him to play. So big watch on George Hewitt. Um, now, for those that still hold, um, I still like with regards to, you know, holding him in and what he can score, Jeff. Yeah, I I like to to hold, um, but at the same time it's what you you cover scores. So most of us have our drift scores our D seven, and it's really dependent on what he scores. Whether we trade at Hewitt, and I've just treated that on a week by week basis, and so far I just was done the job. Okay, on to Jake Lloyd. So obviously this one's a fish and ball movement. He can score, um, but has shown volatility in his scores this year. It's still not bad. It might be one to sort of hone in on that. Um, that he can score at a pretty decent rate, but it's, I don't think it's the high 105s, 110s, Jep. So um, what are you thinking there on Lloyd? I'm probably leaning on the fence of saying no, dislike. Yeah, dislike for me, only because I think those high, like you said, the high ceiling games are gone from him now. So you can get the low 100 scores, but when you accompany that with some 70s and scores in the 80s, it's just not working well. Okay, Taron Thomas, potentially based on price upcoming and... Well, we might be one to look at. He can score to a pretty decent rate. He did show that last year there as well. Uh, for me, it's a no at this stage, but definitely on my radar, Jeff. No, he's definitely on my radar after seeing some midfield time and a bit of thirst from him as well. So score 90 against the Dockers. Um, seven tackles in that. So I think that keeps him in the in the midfield. If I look at the role again this week and, and see what he does uh, for Port Adelaide, uh, I think he'll be a target, not just for us, but for many. Jordan Degori. So his midfield numbers, centre-bounce numbers, has actually been really good. But don't forget, he was sick the last couple of weeks as well. So his scores haven't been that strong. Collingwood have changed their game style. So uh, for those sitting with Degori, it's just a bit unfortunate. They got ill at the wrong time. So um, his output has been a little bit low. Hopefully that can increase over the upcoming period. But, you know, a drop in salary, he'll be on my radar again because he high uh, midfield usage. Uh, that's what we sort of look at. So uh, no at this stage, but on my radar for a few weeks down the track, Jim. No, I like it. I think he'll bounce back. And, and the CBA has always been consistent with to go in. That's a big benchmark for me. Zach Butters, again, another one that was ill the last couple of weeks there as well. So centre bounce has still been okay. Uh, pretty decent match up there this week. So hopefully uh, he's not sitting a lot of time forward. 
which could be an issue, especially at Blundstone Arena, with the ball just flying over uh, players' heads at one end of the ground. So for me, I still like, but concerns are rising, Jeff. Yeah, no, I still like it for this week, and I honestly don't understand why everyone is trading him when the soft matchup is this week. Okay, on to Cam Guthrie. So the scenario again for Geelong managed players, I don't think he's in that range, but you never know. Um, and if Geelong are going to slow down that ball, which is, you know, they took they had over well over 400 disposals last week. Again, the matchup does dictate that they had um, high disposal numbers. Um, got a lot of games there to finish the season at GM at GMHBA Stadium there as well. So, you know, Guthrie can rack up, rack up those numbers. So, you know, Geelong are a big watch the next couple of weeks, Jeff, because they start putting up um, pretty decent numbers again. We've got Duncan there, we've got Guthrie there, um, and hopefully Cooper Stevens can stay in the team. So they're obviously opening up. But, yeah, I'll just reiterate the managing of players, Jeff. So for Guthrie... Uh, again, I'll stick with the managing of the players, so no for me on Guthrie, but yeah, on the radar. No, straight dislike for me. He hasn't proved much to me this season. Okay, on to Sean Darcy. So he's quite a quite a good value there at 694k, Jep. So from a value selection, um, yes, but I'm still sticking to my uh, no Western Australian players, which has destroyed me this year. But anyway, so be it. I'm going to stick with it. Um, so 694, it is, is value, and we know he can put up uh, pretty high ceiling games there, Jep. So for, for, from the point of view from his scoring and his, and his current salary, I do like yes. So interesting fact, if you trade Gaunt to Sean Darcy, it will net you 250k. Yep. Big uh, currency right there. Okay, Ballydale. So his numbers have been really strong for their Bulldogs um, back line. So uh, definitely unique uh, on the radar for me. So at the stage, I'm going to say just a small like. Uh, dislike for me. Tuke Miller, um, yeah, just under 100 last week. Uh, the Suns are actually really good, so uh, he's scoring, no doubt, no question there as well. Suns game plan change, so is that that scenario that they get, we're going to find? You know, got a tough matchup against Fremantle this week, so you know, it'd be really, I'll be really interested to see what he scores because um, I think that midfield matchup is really tough for the Suns. So it's a good matchup. I think it's going to be a good game. So. For me, oh, I'm right on the fence with Miller because obviously we know his ceiling. So, oh, 49% like, so it's just a bit of a dislike here for me, Jeff, especially this week. Oh, I like it. I, I think he, we know what he, we're going to get from him each week and that's effort and gut running and, and possessions. So, yeah, no big like. Okay, Ollie Wine. So Port Adelaide are going to get back into the season, which they've done over the last couple of weeks. You know the the you know wines and butters and Rosie and and those types and boats you know had a centre bounce uh, drop, but his numbers are still there. He's still getting a time through the midfield. Um, so, but again, if Port Adelaide to get back into the season, you've got to imagine some of these players, especially like Wines, uh, are going to start to post big numbers. So for me, Wines big tick. Big like for me as well, mate. It's just it's funny. I. 79 from last week against the Dogs, I would not have expected that. So it is a risky pick, but I still like the pick. Okay, Alex Witherden. So uh, going to be some volatility in that West Coast team to finish out the year, so dislike here for me. Yeah, straight dislike for me as well. Uh, Jack Redden, uh, same scenario. So I think uh, Adam Simpson is going to try a few things out, and that potentially could see a drop in usage from Redden in that midfield, so dislike for me. Yeah, dislike for me as well. I think it's hard for Brennan to be consistent from a fantasy point of view. Uh, Stephen Cornelio, big, big watch here and what's happening with GWS and some of those roles because it is fluctuating from a week-to-week to a short-term period scenario. Uh, so big concern here for Stephen Cornelio. I'm really starting not to like this pick, so dislike here. Yeah, t- uh, look, I'd trade Cornelio before Butters only because I think... Canelio now is clearly working into that half-forward push-up role, and he's starting to do well at it. Um, and I think that's his role going forward. An interesting one here on Canelio is that Leon Cameron was really strong on him throughout the preseason that he was going to play in the midfield. Something like you know he's got his he's got his you know his touch back, he's got his got his legs back. You know we gonna we want to get him in there, and that's where he's good. And you know we're eight rounds in the season, and it's just it's pretty much over from his midfield usage. So yeah, interesting. What's got his swagger back too? Like he was really pumped up, like you said. Yeah. So um, yeah, look, they've just got too many bona fide stars that can go through there, and. It's frustrating that they keep re- recruiting midfielders and not necessarily role players. You know, 
Um, Bobby Hill will come on as a small forward and he knows his role, but there's so many... Like, Perryman's a good role player for them. But other than that, I, I really struggle um, to see that the players buy into the role and not being the selfish person that or player that needs the 30 possessions and all about their game and not the team game. Yeah, issues at GWS. So I see Kenny, a pretty decent matchup this week. So if you're looking to target him this week, I do like the pick, especially against the Bombers, because the Bombers can uh, concede inside 50s. You know, that yeah, their efforts for the first part of the season haven't been that great. Okay, it was good last week against Hawthorne, but... Hawthorne have been uh, quite volatile to start the season and can give up plenty of inside 50s there as well. So, you know, if they're going to give up some inside 50s against uh, Sydney, uh, it could be right in the range of Henny if he does hit forward. And potentially he could because, you know, I reckon that he could have some uh, serious good mismatches. So uh, look for Henny. Potentially he might play forward, but I think he can get there on score. So big like here for Henny still for me. Yeah, massive like for Henning for me as well. Uh, Tim Taranto, so uh, let's. Uh, I'll just throw him in the mix of the Giants players that, where their roles could finish up for the remainder of the season. But I still like the pick. Uh, but yeah, just big watch on what the roles are for GWS players, Chip. I like the pick as well, but I'm going to wait till after the you know, after the round twelve buy and just assess from here to then. Yeah, John Newcomb, the next one up here. So. Again, the scenario was uh, Caldwell, Rail, and Newcomb. I'm really looking at Newcomb in that preseason. I was thinking, you yeah, know, he's going to be in that midfield, going to be in that midfield, but his numbers weren't just quite there. But now they're starting to be there, Jep. So, and and obviously we know Mitchell loves him. So, but is he is he maxing out in price? And you know, could we see some volatile scores? So, I think if you're willing to spend up to what his salary is right now, I think you should go that little bit extra. So, from that point of view, dislike, but yeah, really loving his season, Jep. Yeah, that $690,000 price tag is a bit awkward. And um, only two tonnes for the year when you're spending that much. So, dislike from me. Yeah, I'd be tapping into the ceiling of a Duncan-type player for an extra 30 or 40 grand or whatever that is, Jip. Yeah, for sure. Great. Okay, Taylor Adams, Collingwood, changing game plan. So, his roles have changed from week to week. Um, not as much ball as what he has seen previously. Massive dislike here. Yeah, dislike from me as well. Mark Blixar, so obviously Reece Stanley out of that team last week, Blixar's into the ruck, and he's played some ruck throughout the year as well. So he can score, so obviously we're looking to put him in the defensive line, so um, it's not bad, it's a bit of a difference, uh, but Stanley's going to come back into that team there this uh, this week, I would presume. So, But the thing is, with Blixar, so if he gets matched uh, on a one-on-one matchup for a game, you know he could potentially throw in a 40 or 50, which would actually destroy the peak. What we need is consistent players, high-ceiling players, but you know, in a week-in, week-out, you know, if he throws in a 40 or 50, busy playing a, a key matchup role, or something happens in the game where he's got to play a key defensive matchup, you know, that could really destroy your season. So, from that point of view, dislike, but really good season from Blixar here, Jeff. Yeah, dislike as well. He was great last week on the ball. We just don't know what's going to happen, do we? Correct. Okay, Rory Led, big like here for me. Yeah, really, really high on my radar, as long as well as Ben Keys. And they're uh, the two Adelaide fellas there. They've got really good matchups coming in and going through to the rest of the season. So really like those lead, the lead pick highly. Cooper Hamilton, so getting up there in price, still not that expensive, but I quite like the start of his season. Uh, if you've got nothing else to do, Hamilton might be worth a look, but, you know, low score last week. So, but I'm still going to say Lockie. Uh, yeah, mid-forward status, it's just the round 12 buy. That, that, otherwise, I would have jumped on a lot, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, loving what I'm seeing from him, and um, I think that will continue to like. Okay, Nathan O'Driscoll. So probably the question is, here, is it time to go? I think it probably is getting very close, unless you want to hold him. Um, yeah, it's getting close. He's an option, but uh, obviously, you know, try and figure out what has happened. If that's your most pressing issue, then it's time to go. If it's not, you can hold. And, you know, he does offer that um, defensive sort of cover there as well. So don't forget, if you're trading him out, you're potentially bringing in a midfielder, you're going to lose that coverage. And what we've seen over the last few weeks is that, you know, you know, we've had to rely on those players that are sitting on the bench to come on and score for us because, you know, potential you know, health and safety or illness or... You know, whatever it is, they're missing one or two weeks here there uh, to provide us cover. So if you're trading him out, potentially you're losing some flexibility. So from that point of view, uh, I wouldn't be trading him out. But from the point of view, if you've got nothing else pressing to do, I do like to trade you. Yeah, I, I 
can't argue to trading this week is not the end of the world. Like it's it's fine because you're obviously upgrading. So you tick that off, and if you're holding for one more week, you tick that off as well. So either way, this week is um, is fine. Try hold those round fourteen rooks to the buyers though. That's my advice. Okay, so final thoughts heading into round nine, Jeff. Captain Research. <laughs> it's uh, yeah for me especially, and for for all of us. Um, yeah, I'm going to spend, like I said, I'm spending more time on that, and, and I advise you guys to do the same. Yeah, try keep a trade in hand. There's a lot of key Sunday games, uh, Melbourne Eagles, uh, Carlson Giants, Frio, and the Gold Coast Suns. So key fantasy players in those three matches. Um, try keep a trade if you can. Yeah, just me, obviously, um, monitor news throughout the week, um, plan ahead of your trades, and obviously the tra- trade scenarios there as well. So um, I worked out some trade scenarios after we finished this pod last week on what could happen. Um, I had two options going into uh, the Saturday or to the weekend or whatever, and yeah, and just one played out um, based on news is that I went in one direction. Um, it didn't work out for me from a points point of view, but the process was actually pretty good. I did like it. All right, Jeff, so good luck for this week, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.